you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1144. Well, it has been a minute since I posted an episode. Uh, This was supposed to go up a few, few weeks back. The uh, the baby that uh, we were expecting was due around mid-February, and uh, she decided to come out a little bit early at the end of January. Uh, we named her uh, Dimity, a D-I-M-I-T-Y, uh, Hurst Hardwick, so she's got the hyphenated last name, and um, Leah posted something on Instagram that kind of explains the uh, the origin of the and the meaning of the name, um, but it's been just amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Both the baby and Lydia are doing great. Uh, she's incredible, and literally every day it is just magical to watch a person like form and their personality form. And it's like, I don't know, like two weeks ago, I was like, oh my God, I think she just noticed her own hand for the first time. It is absolutely amazing, and uh, and we are loving it. So I apologize. I know um, there's been a lot of inconsistency with posting lately. We were trying to get the nursery ready. Uh, there were a lot of renovations uh, to make that happen. And also just a ton of stuff. It turns out there's a lot of stuff to do before the arrival uh, of a new tiny human. And also on top of that, I think I'm not ready yet to continue posting regularly. I think it's better just to take uh, this opportunity to say that I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna post this episode and then continue to not post for a bit uh, as part of a more official uh, parental leave. Things are starting to get busy again work-wise, so I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm really mindful to protect my time um, just so that I can uh, focus on the baby, um, focus on uh, Lydia, who had a C-section, so, so she's also recovering as well. Uh, and, um, you know, and uh, so maybe don't unsubscribe. How about that? And then, you know, I'll squeak out episodes when I can. Uh, if you know anything about me, uh, you probably know that uh, I feel horrible that uh, I can't do everything uh, all at once. And I, I just so apologize. Uh, I hate letting people down. I don't mean to disappoint you if you're a you know a new listener or a longtime listener or whatever. Um, uh, but I just I really want to be as present as I can as a parent and also uh, as a partner. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for understanding. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry uh, for uh, for taking a little break. Uh, I can't say when exactly I'll resume, uh, but hopefully soon. Um, so that's all that. Uh, but let's talk about this episode. Uh, it's Al Madrigal 
who is an old comedy friend of mine. Al is a great stand-up. And we actually complain a lot in this episode about, about like, the stuff that we would do pre-pandemic in terms of, like, tra- the travel and all the stuff that surrounds the stand-up. And it occurred to me, like, oh, my God, I'm complaining a lot about doing stand-up, but I actually am going to do stand-up again this fall. <laughs> so uh, I'm not quitting stand-up. <laughs> but not having had to be on an airplane every weekend... It just made me realize, like, wow, that is that was a that was a lot of travel and uh, a lot of energy in that direction. But uh, yes, so um, I'll be performing again in the fall on the road. I'm not sure. Doesn't sound like Al's really going to tour much anymore. But he's really funny. Uh, but he's got so many amazing things going on. I mean, Al um, has Morbius is coming out. It was supposed to actually come out a few weeks back, but then. Uh, just because of pandemic stuff, uh, it got pushed to April 1st. And Morbius is the Sony Marvel um, vampire story with Jared Leto. And Al is in it. And it looks awesome. And then also, um, Al has released a comic book a series called Primos, which is available now wherever you get comics. And uh, and this was just such a great catch-up. I mean, again, I, ju- I love doing the podcast. I love that... You know, with friends that I haven't talked to for a while, it's like, oh, we catch up, and then that happens just to be a podcast episode. And so this was recorded in December, so the baby actually hadn't been born yet. So that's kind of the, just to give you the timestamp on that. So again, so sorry for the inconsistency with the posting the last couple months. Uh, whether you're a longtime listener to the podcast or a newer listener to the podcast, just know that I really, really, really appreciate uh, your patience and, and understanding. And, um, you know, we've never had a baby before, so I we're just, you know, we're navigating it uh, as best we can. And as parents, we really just want to be as as present as possible and focused on the baby as possible because it really does... Everyone always says, like, it moves so fast, and it really does, even in just a few weeks, just watching how much she's grown and how much her aware, like, her awareness has come online and everything, you know? I just want to be as around as and, and present as much as possible to not miss any of it. So, so I really, really, really appreciate uh, your understanding, and uh, thank you so, 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 so much. And, uh, and now, here is the ID10T podcast number 1144, uh, before we take a, an official parental break, with episodes posting when we can, uh, with Al Madrigal, as we roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. Recording in progress. Hello? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is exactly what I feared. Al Madrigal's been taken over by robots. I'm just going to unplug this. Now you can hear me. <laughs> was that a... That was a special microphone. This was... was I've actually used this successfully so many times, and the last couple times I've tried to use it on Zoom... 
it just hasn't worked at all. So, um, I, well, look, you sounded like a cool robot. So, right, that's it. Yeah, I, I think maybe it's a great. Al Madrigal's become a supervillain. He's like got struck by lightning while like putting in a, a Wi-Fi range extender. It gave him a computer brain. Now he is just a, a robot. He's a robot. That's He's a super really- cool like origin story. Or. He just got throat cancer because he smoked a lot in college. <laughs> no, that's so much sadder. Well, that's, that's that's like when you go back and you look at look at all of the like, you know, Peter Parker got bitten by a radioactive spider. Superpowers or deadly terminal disease? Or he just dies instantly. I mean, you know. So if you really kind of break down a lot of the origin stories, especially those early days when they when they were so fascinated by radioactivity, it's like, no, no, just instant death. Like there, or, right or a long drawn out, horrible death, but not superpowers. I, I, I was in, for some reason I was doing stand up on the road and, um, it was, uh, the crystal skull had come out. So we could probably find out this is like one of my, I, I hated the road so much. And it was a coconut grove improv, which was one of like the worst improvs ever. And, Thursday night, nothing to do afterwards. I'm not going to go into Miami or do anything like that. I'm just really bored. So there's a movie theater attached to the comedy, you know, right near the comedy club. So I went and saw Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull. And 10 minutes in, he's he has to get into a refrigerator because there is, like, he's at a, they're testing an atom bomb. And uh, I remember there was a kid behind me who goes, uh, Oh, that's so fake. I can't believe he didn't die. Like, <laughs> like first of all, it's Indiana Jones. He's, not He's probably not going to die. They probably mm-hmm. be probably weird to kill him 10 minutes in. But what a really strong choice to make to <laughs> kill the the lead character of a major franchise 10 minutes into a It would have made for a better movie. <laughs> You've already oh, like, congratulations. I, they, you're you're um, the baby. Have you made this baby announcement? Should I be talking about? That? Yeah, 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 yeah. We made the baby announcement. The baby is seven weeks away, and by the time this podcast posts, it'll be even closer. So we're we're way into it, and uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, at numerous times throughout the pregnancy. Your voice has popped into my head doing a bit that I saw you do at the improv probably maybe 12 years. I don't even remember when, but it might have been you might have been a new dad at that point. But it was something like, yeah, you guys got to get yourself one of these uh, one of these babies. I don't know. I just like you hear your voice doing this bit about new having baby, a baby. Old baby. Yeah, I have a new baby and my I think the old baby hates the new baby. I just will just know that the babies I was talking about are now 19 and 15 and almost 16. <laughs> so, oh, 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 God. Yeah. I, I feel remarkably old and also powerless at the passage of time. Oh, um, God. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yet yeah, about to turn 16. I'm teaching that baby how to drive unsuccessfully. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have this old. I, I for my son, I got him this old Toyota Land Cruiser. It's super cool. It's a 1988 Toyota Land Cruiser. Awesome car that I always wanted. And um, I put my daughter in that, and I'm like, oh, I got to sell this thing because you need a backup camera and lane change. <laughs> lane <laughs> lane <assist. laughs> 
I want the car that automatically corrects your poor driving because uh, she's not going to be the one to drive the uh, death machine. You know what this makes me think about is I constantly complain at autocorrect, like, fuck, that's not the word I wanted. Or why did you think I meant this word? But then if you ever type without autocorrect, you're like, oh, I'm um, an oaf and I can't (laughs) spell anything. And I really need I really miss the basically the uh, text equivalent of uh, the inflatable uh, bumpers in the gutters, you know, uh, in the bowling lane. And uh, and so I feel like that now we're just so accustomed to having bumpers on everything. Why not take the help? Like, and I grew up in San Francisco. I never learned how to drive a stick yep. because we just didn't have them. The, the hills were so, I knew people who did. And, you know, I know my dad did at one point, but when automatics like really came out, it's like, they're shifting for you. Why, why, are <laughs> why are we, why are we still in this charade that we have to drive the old fashioned? I can't imagine like coming down Lombard street in a stick. I just feel like, Oh, well you'll just die because that's not, it's horrifying. Um, I, the, the same thing is with like, I got this. Uh, I got the Tesla and my wife is just terrified about the self-driving. I think it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I love, I got a million things going. I'm like, uh, I know you shouldn't be doing it. I'm like barely holding on to the steering wheel and letting it just drive for me as much as possible. I don't, I, I shouldn't be driving. I guess. I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm just not ready for it. I just, you know, technology is too fallible and it's still, you know, like it's to a degree, it's still like befriending a, a, a bear. It's like, yeah, the bear might be cool to you, but it also might uh, rip your guts out, you know? And I sort of feel like that's technology. Like it, at the end of the day, it's still just technology. It's still a soulless machine trying to approximate human behavior and decisions. And it's going to not be right some of the time. I think it's also what we just sort of uh, walked into is people that have become successful and still trying to do stand-up comedy. Um, like my wife hates the self-driving car, but I like <laughs> it's just like doing observational material. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, Al, you've been in one of these, uh, what are they, grocery stores? You've been in one of these grocery stores lately? God, I tried to go in there the other day. I don't know what's going on. What am I, Captain Crunch? What am I? uh, I did a gig for the NFL owners, and they were all billionaires. And I joked when I was up there, I'm like, what can you guys relate to? Don't you hate it when your chef gets in a fight with your pilot? (laughs) Don't you hate that? At the same time, I think it was, was it? Um, Paul Allen had just driven, this is Super Bowl 50, when the Denver Broncos played the Carolina, Pan- Carolina Panthers and, and they were at the new Santa Clara Stadium. And Paul Allen wasn't there because his yacht crashed into a protected reef. And, oh, no. and I, did, I said that, like, don't you hate when that happens? All right, guys? Get that bitch. And also, by the way, you know, like, the the type of yacht that Paul Allen has is really like a cruise ship. Like it's probably not, isn't it? Doesn't he have like one of the, isn't it like the record for like, oh, it's the, it's not even like a yacht anymore. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's not quite an aircraft carrier, but it's not a, but it's, it's, it's even beyond what you would picture a yacht being. I'm sure. And now Jeff Bezos has that yacht. Did you see that 
article where he has the companion yacht that goes along with it that has a helipad. That's so that's so sweet. I bet they have friendship bracelets and that's like yacht buddies. But it is akin. It's like that massive tour bus RV like towing a Jeep. Like it's a, <laughs> Yeah, I just want to split her off and get it. You know, you know, we're just going to spend this whole time doing bits. I haven't been on stage in almost two years. Like, I I'm and done. I didn't, I didn't. You're done. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I. I might have one more album in me, but I, and I have a ton of rationale for me bowing out. I, I first of all, I hate the road. Um, I hate. There's so many things I hate. I love stand up. I hate what it's become. Like to be successful. I feel like you have to be live tweeting your breakfast. Uh, <laughs> I always feel like I'm not like I just see I see other comedians who we know that do a great job of being on top of everything. And I'm so exhausted anymore. And I say this as someone who clearly I'm just getting old. But as someone who was like a fervent early adopter of technology and wanted to, you know, was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I want to be in. I really want to do all of it. And now I'm just like, God, I just don't have the energy anymore. And I don't care. And I don't like I've definitely become I've definitely become old manish about it. And I, and I feel the same way. It's like I just can't. And no matter how many times you post about something, people aren't going to see it because it's just so crowded and no one cares. And it just yeah, I. I a thousand percent feel the where, same thing. Yeah, where I think about taking out my phone and recording something, I go, no, this is just for me. Like, I'll just- <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I have this conversation all the time where my wife will go, you love doing stand-up. And I go, yes, I love being on stage for that hour and 15 minutes. But everything around it is a lot. Like, it's especially now, like, you know, with travel and – and it and so it just feels like there's there's so so many hours of other things that kind of eclipse the hour of time that you get to do the thing that you, you also, absolutely love. We, we did it like this. You experienced like every level of success with it. You got to do all that open mic fun stuff. You got to do the community. I'd see you like we said. I could see you at the improv. We got that fun like hang. You know, like we we, we did all of that. I hung out at the comedy store. Uh, I did New York stand up. I did, you know, post daily show. Me and Hodgman would go out, and it was the oh. time of my life. Like I really do. Like I, we got to do big theaters, like post, like the combined correspondence. And so sometimes it was like me, Hodgman, you know, um, who else would go? Like Kristen Shaw would go, and it was just oh wow, blast. And so it's like we did that, and I'm, I'm good. Like. I'm really, <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally understand. And I've surprisingly been okay with not performing the entire pandemic. Like I felt like, okay, that kind of desire just sort of went to sleep a little bit. Maybe I'll probably, maybe I'm a little more, you know, like comedic in conversations than I used to be because I still have that gene. But in terms of like, I got to be on stage every night. Like I don't feel that anymore. Well, I got to tell you the funniest thing is um, I, we booked this. And then coincidentally, I turn on the wall um, <laughs> and I was like, what's this show? And uh, I thought I was like, is this Plinko? Are they just playing big Plinko? And then I swear to God, I'm crying. I'm almost in tears mm-hmm. watching the two Navy officers oh, in love. I love them. I, <laughs> no, I was like, what so is wonderful. this show? It's they not, were so wonderful. Plinko? Yeah, this yeah, is I know. 
I know that the show like has this really great way of bringing contestants on and every single one of them you're like god damn it this is what this is what people are supposed to be like like this is this is this is how the world could be you know like it going into it completely blind was hilarious though like <laughs> what is this even like halfway no she's like what so they're gonna drop that thing and answer a bunch of questions and then they're gonna figure out where it goes and you know and then they're sort of walking you through Whoever the producers of that are, are are great because they got these guys pouring their hearts out to each other, and I was just um, again just shocked that this was the show. I did not expect it. It just really caught me off guard. It caught me off guard when they when they asked when they originally initially asked me to do it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I can't really picture what you're talking about when they pitched me the show and they said, come and play it in our offices. And I did, and I immediately was like, oh, I get this. This is really fun. It's it's. You're dropping a ball down. There's an action. There's a strategy element. There's a trivia element. It's super fun. What I was totally unprepared for was what you said as a viewer. We started taping the first episode, and I was like gut wrenched at how much I loved the people who were on the show and their story and who they were. And then I realized, like, oh, this is. It feels kind of like a podcast to me. I'm getting to know these people, and they're great. And in the midst of it, hopefully, I can, you know, they can walk away with a bunch of NBC's money. So it totally snuck up on me too. It really did. Uh, speaking of podcasting, you also did something that I will, you know, you favors for life for the rest of your life uh, from me. Not that you'll need to call on them, but um, you were so nice. My son, uh, and this is back when he was like a sophomore in high school started the podcast club and you were his first interview. And like, I remember Louis Anderson was leaving. So, you know, and this is partially because to get into any college, I told him my son was a great, you see where I'm going with this, but he was a great little athlete, but he was like, you know, he's five, nine. He went to a school where, you know, somebody could do the same thing on the basketball team as him. And he's six foot five. So just, you can't compete. So he's always looking for his thing and, um, you know, started the podcast club. And then we came up with a podcast idea called High School Time Machine. Yep. And he came in to um, interview you with his buddy Jack and uh, you were delightful. So oh, my God. It was so it was such an honor because it sort of feels like. Oh my God, this is exactly what I would have done if I were, if this, if we had, if podcasting was what it was when I was in high school, of course I would have been in a podcasting. Like I just, I just saw a window into, and I just want to, I just so wanted to encourage like, yes, this is awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. It, this is cool. Someday this is all going to pay off in a, you know, in a wonderful way. And it, it's, you should keep doing it. It's great. Yeah, well, he um, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's like it's led to me being involved in this business. I've always sort of taken him around to if I'm on a TV show, I'm like, let me go introduce you to the prop guy. They're great. Hey, well, why don't you look over here and uh, just meet all the people in that make up this 120 person crew that's making this thing? Because there's so many amazing jobs that people are just unaware of. I had no idea that even when I got into stand-up, the business behind, you know, or, you know, anything that I could do creatively, I just had no clue how many jobs that existed. So it's sort of cool to be able to show people that I did. I definitely want to do that on a larger scale. I'm trying to figure that out. But um, yeah, there's no, because there's another thing is there's no Latinos in show business at all. Like, I'm not sure if you've seen any of like the UCLA studies or 
the Annenberg study. Oh. oh my God, it's horrible. It's, it really is bad. It, that's what led to me to doing this comic book. But um, Primos? Yeah, Primos. 20% of the population, 5% of the characters on TV. And in, in movies, I think it's even worse. Like they did this big study and of, of the, you know, female stars in movies it was like just j-lo and cameron diaz uh, but i but but this is this is what's so interesting about you know we start our career paths and you know at, at, at first i feel like we're very focused on ourselves and what you know like oh i you know you want to do things for yourself and then maybe it's because you become a parent maybe it's because you start to get older but it's so interesting to watch you kind of pull away from something which is you know like Stand-up is a little bit of an ego pursuit. Of course it is. It feels good, you know, but it's just us. To you then saying, like, you know, I want to make the world a better place in this way. I want to make it more accessible in this way. I want to make the business better. Like, it's just such a great... I don't know. It's just it's 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 fun to watch us all grow up and, and have these realizations and you realizing that you can make a difference. You can you can, you know, work to change things and do everything you can to make things better. Absolutely. That feels great. And also stand up is a full on ego pursuit. Like that is just like you walk on stage and people lose their minds. If you were to walk up at the comedy store and they go, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest. Uh, Chris Hardwick is here. Then people would go nuts. And, that's and that would feel very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> and then i mean you could just you keep chasing that like there's a reason why the rolling stones keep getting up on stage they certainly don't need to um but no, but like what else but i also understand like but what else are they gonna do you know what i mean it's like you know when people i think people overestimate the idea of like you could just go sit on a beach somewhere it's like yeah that's fun for 10 minutes but then if they're in the <clears throat> you know if they've conditioned themselves to need to keep moving I mean, honestly, if they just quit, they would probably just wither, you know, like they need they probably just need that to stay alive. It's almost like you need you do need that to stay alive. You need to make plans. So I totally get that. Yeah, it's like and, and have some goals. Uh, that's what they my dad had cancer. Um, and that's the first thing the doctor told him was like, make plans. Like you really just carve some stuff out that you want to do. And uh make sure you get to it. And to like, so he made this big long list and then really just marched through it. So, um, and then when the list was uh, done, he finished everything and it's like, no more, gone. Oh, um, no, no, but I think that kept him alive. I think he, he made a goal of wanting to see my uh, brother's um, uh, daughter born. And that was his last thing. And I swear it was crazy. That's that's exactly what happened. I didn't mean to make the uh, return this. It, yeah, it got really sad all of a sudden. It's a, it, you know, it's a podcast, Al. It can be funny and dippy and sad and and all of those things. But it but it's also very. Uh, it's also just a good. <clears throat> and maybe I'm just sort of at that point in my life where it's like, yeah, I guess you know, you don't live forever, you know. But but the idea of like just not taking those, not taking every day, not taking the days for granted and not, and just making sure that you're not constantly deferring something into this bin where it just kind of vaporizes because you just feel like time is endless. But comedy, comedy allows us to have this big, fun, weird, uh, 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 eclectic career and, and you could do so many spins, so many things off of it. I feel like just to do, pure stand-up like that's certainly a choice but there's so many 
fun other things that you can do. Like I really enjoy being a small business owner, you know, and I really enjoy, um, you know, helping other comics creatively, you know, start shows, podcasts as a producer, like there's, you know, again, acting is fantastic. I, I love acting and writing as well. So there's like, you can't, you can't do it all. Um, but it is hard, it is hard to just <clears throat> it is hard to just do stand up and just maintain that lifestyle because you have to it kind of never stops and I think it's great to be able to I love doing other things too but I love being able to go do stand up you know when I can but um, but also like you 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 just. I feel like it, it, I, I could never be a comedian who does like 45 weeks a year on the road. I never wanted to be that before. And I certainly don't now, especially with a baby on the way. Like, I don't want to be gone. All, I don't want to be gone that much at all. <laughs> you know, and that's what it requires. Yeah, that was the big um, thing that changed for me as I, I was doing consistent stand up. I did a show. Um, it was a short lived Jimmy Carr show called The Fix on mm -hmm. Netflix. Netflix, yeah. And then um, DL was my partner, who's a great guy, DL Hewley. And he was telling me how he was on the road so much he didn't even see his kids grow up. And so now I have this 14 year old, you know, at the time, or 13 year olds, and I know she's going to be driving. That's the thing that happens. Like I watched my son drive away as a 16 year old, and I was like, Oh wow! I'm never seeing him again. Like, uh, like, he's, like he's just realized, oh, I can just drive this anywhere. I don't need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> a crash around the corner. He, um, he, yeah. But once they get cars, like they're they're out. So I just like I'll maximize this time. I wish I had all the other time that I was on the road back. You know, I I, I certainly would have spent more time at home. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person. And I appreciate you. And I know exactly what you like. All at the same time. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, the zen seeker, the artist, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. A gifting moment is always around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Gift easy with Gift Mode on Etsy. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely trying to figure out the balance, and it's really hard because stand-up is one of those things that's very difficult to balance because of how much, even like you're saying, like, 
you know, the friends that we have that are so committed to just nonstop posting. It's like it's a there's so much around it, whether it be you're your you have to be a fierce marketer, you have to of your own marketer, you have to just be a content machine. Now, I was even trying to figure out I, I Googled the other day, like, are albums obsolete? Like, does it even make any sense anymore, especially because with podcasts like, you know, we we've conditioned like we have this disposable content that gets posted weekly or however often it gets posted. It used to be the comedy album was like the culmination of like, this is what I've done for the last two years. And now it just feels so much like, that's eh, great next, you know? And so like, is an album, does it even really mean anything anymore? I don't know. I'm really kind of having an existential crisis with it. Music album, comedy album, whatever. Yeah. I think that's why you could see comedians doing what like Rihanna does or Jay-Z does. It's like, Oh, you just put out singles. Like we right. out singles and that'd be cool. But it's like, I don't know. I, as somebody that, uh, you know, we have a record company at all things comedy and so we certainly haven't figured it out because it's like what we've been told is just from the record company standpoint, it's a volume business and you're only going to do a record if you want like a Grammy nomination at some point. And so that's why right. you see all the Netflix special people turn their audio from their special into albums just so they can make a Grammy play. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, as somebody like, I'd rather listen to a podcast when I get in the car, you know, and, right. and sometimes I'll flip on, I just flipped on, um, Arch Barker's album uh, yep. for my son because I'm like I started with this guy in San Francisco. He's hilarious. You should know who she who he is. And so we listened to a lot of Arch. Um, but you know, I dug up a comedy album from like 2018 or something. It was uh, you know in Australia. <laughs> like you could tell it wasn't it was going over his head a little bit. You know, in terms of like all the Australian references. And I'm like, all right, maybe not this one. <laughs> Okay, someday we'll go to Australia. We'll revisit this. Yeah, and you know, Brisbane, you know, and and uh, but you know, again, like I just don't know what I feel like we have. It's such people have such an insatiable thirst for content. Yeah, that if it is worth it for somebody to put out an album, um, I just know that you know the people that seem to be successful are just relentlessly posting and. I just don't have the time for it. I just it, that like that's just a job that I'm just not super interested in. Like because it to to be in the momentum of it is really stressful. I gotta put oh fuck I gotta post. I didn't put you know it's like you you put this unnecessary stress on yourself that you know if you don't post for a week or two days then it's like it's all gonna fall apart. And I and I just think it's a big scam. Like it doesn't it's you know like it's fine if you don't. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I feel like I would rather feel calm and balance rather than being able to say like, oh, I sold out this big venue, but everything that I had to do to get there just like ate me alive inside. I don't yeah. know if it's worth it. <laughs> no, and, and I think some people just want to be popular to be popular and other people want or become popular because they're talented. And they can, and so the popular for popular sake, people are just like drowning out anybody with that. You know, it's just, they're constantly, again, it, it's not about, um, it becomes less and less about uh, talent and more about uh, just outrageousness and stunts. Like it's just- I do, I do hope. I just, I was, I just noticed when um, when Mike Nesmith from the Monkees just passed away, 
And, uh, you know, all these articles came out. Oh, he, you know, and I'm, I'm a big Monkees fan. And there was, there was stuff that I didn't, there was music of Mike Nesmith that I didn't even know. And I felt bad for not knowing. And then I also felt bad because I, I, you know, I would see like, oh, Mike Nesmith may have actually pioneered the country rock movement. And I sort of felt like you could have told him that when he was alive, you know? <laughs> like, why did he have to die before everyone was like, oh, this guy was a genius. Like, he... Two weeks ago, you could have told them that. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. It, it, so, in a way, it sort of feels like you can't control any of that external stuff anyway. The popularity contest, you know, who's going to be popular, who's not, who's going to sell X number of tickets, who's not. So, how do you just, maybe you just kind of focus on what you like to do, and then whatever happens with that happens with that. I just don't know if it's worth chasing it so hard. Yeah, it's it. It just doesn't seem worth it at all. Like it really doesn't. Like there's again. Like I found myself, you know, thinking about. And this is years and years ago. Where it's like, okay, on my deathbed, you know, and you're like, who are you gonna have around you? And it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's it's not your social media manager. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be really fun if we do a jump cut right before you die. We could just like switch your outfit really fast. That'd be a great TikTok. No, I don't. I'm going to, uh, yeah, just so it just hang out. I, I really am old man. I started this thing as an old man. Like I got into it super late. You know, I was working for my parents' family business and then started doing stand up in San Francisco at 28 and then actually left the company. And, um, and this is probably around the time that we're meeting when I come down. Like, 2004 2000 2002 i think i start coming down 2003 i get a gig and then we me and my one-year-old and wife moved down to la from san francisco in 2003 so like i started being too old for this shit (laughs) (laughs) i always felt the same i i did stand up a little in college but not really full-time until i was like 27 i'm like fuck why did i wait so long but you know, you just, you're on the, it just worked out the way it worked out, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, met my wife do, doing stand-up, met all my best friends doing stand-up. And uh, certainly, again, you know, I just had the coolest sort of stand-up experience. It's like, I, I don't want to mess with that either. Like, you know, I was uh, Hedberg's opener. I got to open for Chappelle. I got to, I went on a roll. Tosh, who I think is a really underrated stand-up comedian. If you, it, Daniel Tosh, I will put up against most comics. I really will. And I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. I think Daniel Tosh is one of the best comics out there, I swear to you. Um, I think well, he was, he was one of the biggest road acts. I mean, I... I but this the structure of his bits and just how thoughtful everything is, like, I, I think, and the through line for everything. I just think, again, I think he's one of the smartest comics. He, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit because of Tosh.0, oh, but, um, and how silly that was, but I think he's one of the best comics, so I got to go out with him. Like, I certainly didn't. Like I said, my Hodgman experience was fantastic, but so I, I wouldn't want to, like, you know, and plus, no one's really missing me doing stand up. I don't think. So. <laughs> always, wait, you ever hear that D- Doug Stanhope joke about like? Uh, well, it's just like an observation about stand up comedy. It's the only thing where people just show up for comedy, not knowing who the act is. Like I had fifty percent of the people coming out for me, and then another fifty percent of the people were just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and well. just kind of hoping that it it lands. That that's what's that's always so funny about uh, if people show up and they didn't know what they were going to see and they're like, yeah, I don't know, I didn't really like you know. It's like oh yeah, because the comedy is not just one thing, you know. Like and I think people always think of it as one thing. I wouldn't say it has as many subgenres as music, but it has quite a lot of sub genres and as unique as the many voices that populate the landscape of stand-up comedy but it is kind of funny that people are you know like oh i didn't really yeah because you you have a certain thing that you like and this you didn't know what this was and it didn't meet the expectations that you had as you know it's like if you went to see a band and you're like i like i really like country music but i didn't like this jazz band like oh yeah well you didn't like jazz like i don't what do you yeah. of course that's no one's wrong you just it was just a weird match. That's all. What now that I look back, one of the worst parts about me on the road also is that I worked in a company. My parents' family business was managing other small businesses. So now I go out to like a, a comedy club, and I'm like walking in like Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse, going, "Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> she's born drinks for her friends." It's just like I, I was the worst out there. I, I just I didn't I, I I just didn't like being away from my family, and that was that was actually the hardest part about being on the Daily Show. It's like I went to my um, it's when I got that gig. I went. I remember going to my son, and and I just got the kids into a new school, so they were like six and nine years old, and I'm like, "Hey, Daddy's got." A job in New York. It's going to be pretty exciting. Um, what do you think about everybody going to New York? And they're like, okay, well, what if you go? <laughs> so is that what you did? You just kind of went and kept, went oh, back and forth? Did back and forth. It was just a disaster. Yeah. It oh was just gosh. That's why, I, like, I mean, my body was just shaped like an airplane seat. I was like flying back and forth like every nine or you know 10 11 12 days and running out of the studio getting on a train because you couldn't take a cab to jfk and when i did i would lay like 80 dollars on the dashboard and i go if you make it to jfk in this traffic it's all this money is yours. <laughs> on top of your fare Eighty dollar tip because I just and just watch a guy just like double seatbelt as the guy just weaves in and out. Cannibal of run, you turn into Cannibal Run, basically. Yeah, an airport run got turned into Cannibal Run. <laughs> so, Every half hour we fall behind. I'm going to take another twenty. So you turn into a game show. You totally yeah, turn totally. into a game yeah. show. Um, yeah, it was it was it was it was crazy just being away. That's what I realized. It's like just being away from the kids, and that's the best part, especially like. You know, your old dad, you're going to be, you got to be around. Oh, I've written bits about it already. I don't know when I'm going to perform them, but believe me, I've got the, I've got the, the, the digital page of, of, of granddad dad bits. Yeah, I've got them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, but it's also, uh, I, I also don't know if I, and again, I don't want to disparage anyone who posts all the time or who's chasing a dream or whatever. It just, it just, I feel like it just isn't necessarily where I'm at. And it sounds like it's not necessarily where you're at. And also like, I don't know, like I want to, I want to be present for the child and not have her watch me like chasing it, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just, I, cause I don't want, I don't want her to think that external validation means everything, you know? 
It's like, oh, that at all costs. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be on my phone when somebody's kicking a soccer goal, you know, or, you know, I just, um, I want to be as present as I possibly can. I could, I hate my phone. I want to get rid of it. I, wish, <laughs> I, could, I really do. I, I delete Instagram constantly. I just, to, to the point, I think it just stopped letting me in. It just loaded so slowly because I'll just, I'll delete it. I'll look at it, catch up, check out, you know, if there's any mentions or something like once a week. And then I'll just delete it and then I'll bring it back. Cause I don't have the willpower to like, just excel. I'll find myself just mindlessly scrolling like most of us. And I just, I can't do it. I can't, I don't have the self-control. So I just, I delete it. And it's not like I'm posting constantly. So just I'll get rid of it. Twitter, the same thing. I think Twitter is just so evil. Like I can't. Uh, but I think it's, desi- I think it also, you know, I think we do it because we're trying to distract ourselves because from just, I don't know, sitting with our own ambient thoughts or whatever. But I think it creates more ambient thoughts. So then we go on it again to distract. Like it's this weird distraction loop that's created. It's it's addictive. Like it's 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 created to be addictive. <laughs> and it is It like I don't I'm not sure that. Even the healthiest person in the world, I think, would be like, fuck, this is really getting to, you know, it's like even just that amount of data trying to squish it in your brain is stressful. Like even and even if you're not looking at stressful, you could be just looking at puppy posts and it's still that much stimuli is probably stressful on the brain. Yeah, I'm deleting everything. I'm, I'm, really, I'm just, I'm out of I haven't had a Twitter app on my phone forever. So I have to actually go through and log in, you know, on a desktop to sort of check it out. And then same thing with Instagram, but I deleted news apps. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at anything. I'm too, like, I have too much other stuff going on. Like, I just don't want to, um, again, get so distracted by it. And I use sleep apps at night. Do you use a sleep app? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like just like little, you know, like the relaxing. Because the, there's a, I, I use them. Uh, I'll I'll do like uh, playlists on Spotify, like sleep playlists, and it's like kind of guides. I use the one that's Sleep Cycle, and it actually monitors your breathing. Um, but the worst part about it for me is that since I'm using that, and I'll use Waze and everything, it still says that like the end of the week, like. Your screen time was used your ninety percent of the day. <laughs> like, ah! no. Are your kids into social media at all, or is their generation not super into it? We've got all right. So I think my son is in. Like, they're still using Snapchat. Okay. Um, my which I don't. I can't even begin to understand. Like maintaining status on Snapchat, and uh, that's when I. That's when it really started. Like the divide. Like I, I felt like I was on top of everything. I know how Twitter Great. works. Uh, Instagram works. I know how Facebook works. I could not tell you how Snapchat works. And then uh, TikTok, I get more than Snapchat. Um, but they're they're sort of like in. You know, they watch TikTok. And they want, they look at Snapchat and I think they're maintaining their status with Snapchat. That's really what it is. It's like you have a certain number of snaps that you have to do. Yeah. With your presence there. Oh my God. That's so fucked up. Cause I mean, when we were growing up, you'd of course, you know, to them, it's the same content like, oh, well we watched, you know, Gilligan's Island reruns or whatever and over and over again. But 
I wasn't encouraged to then make a Gilligan's Island episode. You know what I mean? Like we were just passive consumers. This idea of being active participants is a whole other level. You got to check in. You got to like constantly check in with your Snapchat or else you lose, you completely lose your state. Oh God, that's so messed up. Oh, I think insidious. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's how it works. But, um, you know, we always tied it to grades. That's another thing is like you get a phone when you turn in a 4.0, gets you a phone. So, you know, get the getting us there and they were the last, you know, they got phones. They were the end, um, the last group of their friends to actually get phones. You know, it wasn't, wasn't too early. It wasn't the ones that are giving nine-year-olds phones. We weren't, you know, the people that were holding on till they got to high school. Then they weren't like, fuck you. You're not, you have all our friends and you're not doing this. Are they, they, were they pretty cool and understanding about it? There's no, um, uh, my wife doesn't take any shit. My wife is a, uh, uh, first grade teacher who became this educational therapist. So oh wow. She doesn't mess around. And she's like, there's my wife's half you, you who I think you met. She was hanging out with Lorenzo. She's um half Korean, um, no talking back with her at all. And then same with me. You know, I let I probably let the kids get away with more than she does. I, I'm just I, I I ask these questions as as research too. Because it's like yeah. how do you oh, because dude. Because we are in very privileged positions as performers with degrees of success and we want the best for our kids. How do you how do you make them happy without spoiling them or without having them take stuff for granted or or recognizing that it's, you know, I don't know, like it's tricky an awareness of appreciation. It's going to be super tricky for you. Like it's going to be because. We moved our kids out of L.A., so we're on in the suburbs around it just to try to give them, like, a normal upbringing and would send them to, you know, when you're going to these super fancy schools and around, you know, super successful Hollywood people, I think that has an element of keeping up with the Joneses for these kids, too. You know, they're... They're seeing Steve Carell's kids get a new BMW or a Porsche or something, and they're going to want the same thing. And it's hard not to spoil them when you have the resources. So it's just tricky. I just think in in Los Angeles, and especially Hollywood, kids grow up too quickly, you know, so you don't have that weird, dorky, awkward stage. You know, they're just I hate to say, but also just the things that are prioritized. And, And I and I used to really look down like. I don't want to LA shame. LA is a wonderful city and there's, it's so big. You can have any, you can have so many different experiences in Los Angeles and that's the vastness of it is kind of one of the things that's cool about it. But because of this, because of the business, because of you're right, it's the, the business itself is, is, is prioritized. It's just, it's a popularity contest and it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a business of appearances, like you said. And, and so, Yes, that's a that you're growing up in a distortion field like right there. So I always thought like I'll stay in LA forever, but now with a kid coming, I'm like I don't know if this is the healthiest place to raise a child. Maybe we'll maybe we'll sub, we'll go somewhere else where there are different <laughs> industries and, and not. Yeah, it's gonna be this the same is the main one. different industry, same problem. Like yeah, these lumber kids. Are really, really <laughs> <different>. <laughs> 
<laughs> they think the wood just falls onto the ground by itself yep. and shaves off its own bark. You know, they don't fucking, they don't get it. Yeah, it's tricky no matter what. You just have to, you know, it's, anybody can be a parent. Being a great parent is tricky, you know, requires a tremendous amount of work. So, yeah. And being checked in, you know, like just, I, just being checked in. I, I, I really hope, I'm sure that e- even if you had the most detailed plan about this is how I want to be the perfect parent, you have you probably have to be flexible because you just never know, like you can't predict anything. So you kind of have to be, have a structure, but be flexible and pay attention and check in and, you know, but there's a lot to it. So uh, certainly um, my, when you are in it, um, you should definitely hit me up because I have advice (laughs) for everything. People are calling me constantly about, house stuff or you know it's just like homeowner things but also parenting school choices you know and my wife is familiar with every single parenting style um is you know and so she can sort of guide somebody and you know whether your kid you know how hard to push them in school and how hard you know it's just i tell my kids all the time like it might School, like I am on my high school's notable alumni, and I was easily one of the worst students. I go, just find something you like and try hard and be nice, and everything's going to fall into place. Like, don't worry about it. My daughter's stressing out right now about finals. It's like, it's fine. Don't worry. Just try hard. Yeah, Take just time. do just do your best. It doesn't. It no. doesn't. It doesn't have to mean everything. You know, it just. It just. When we were growing up, there was so much focus on like. You study hard, you have to get into a, you know, you go to college, you know, you major in something practical. And it's like, well, now I sort of feel like, uh, you know, if you want to do that, you know, you can, but it also doesn't mean everything, you know, there are pros and cons of doing it that way or not doing it that way. There's a lot of resources available to learn things. If you didn't want to do that, you know, it's like the world is just different than it was 30 years ago, you know? So I still think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on kids to like overachieve. I mean, you'll see, yeah, you'll see. (laughs) You got no idea. (laughs) You you don't know. Um, But no, it's like there, my daughter has, I believe like because she took a class in the summer. She's like a 4.1 and she feels like she's fucking up. Oh my God. That's amazing. And she's, so she, she, she got the, um, like the AP credits or whatever. Yeah, so she, yeah, she already has taken honors classes that freshmen weren't supposed to be able to take, but she tested into a higher math. And so girls like to get into UCLA right now, you'd need like a 4.7. Oh my God. You have to get in at any UC school is sort of impossible. So they're putting pressure on themselves because they see all these other kids just completely overachieving. And that's the idea with, you know, was with when we started out with Lorenzo in the podcast club. Um, he had to have something like that to get into college. So he needed to be a founder of something. You know, we you need to start a charity. We looked at this one kid's resume that he was graduating with and he had a 4.7. He was on varsity football four years in a row and he had um, a patent. He had raised money. He'd raised over like 
a couple million dollars for charity in four years because he had access to, you know, like a lot of deep pockets and he was a wealthy kid, but you're going up against that kid to try to get I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around 4.7. Like that didn't exist when I was in school. There was no such thing. There was no such thing as 4.7. That wasn't, that's almost, to me, that's almost like saying, well, now 100% is not the highest percentage. Now 112. It's like, yeah, but how can anything be more than 100? I don't understand. Like it's, I don't, I can't even compute that. Yeah, that was always at the Daily Show. It's like the story of uh, dreamer kids. Like they were always, Florida was always trying to deport like the valedictorian who had like a 4.9 or like the best possible kid was always a dreamer that was potentially getting deported. And so there's a story like that every single year where, you know, some kid has a 4.9 grade point average and they're trying to kick him out. Oh my God. Well, I, I really hope, I mean, obviously... You know, kids discover whatever is important to them at some point. I mean, the way you did, the way I did. You know, my parents didn't, my parents noticed that I like comedy. They didn't push me into it. They fed it. But I feel like I'm just, I just want to be able to notice what what are you into? But try to do what you're doing, which is just to say like, hey, you know, you don't, this isn't, this doesn't mean everything. But I also don't, I also don't want (laughs) to. But then the other side of that is like, well, if it's important to them, you also don't want to, you know, um, undercut it. But I, I don't know. It just sounds like with parenting, there are obviously some big do's and don'ts, but there's just a lot of like degrees of, well, this is an outcome and that's an outcome. And if you're too much this, then that could lead to that. But if you're too much that, then this could lead to... So you just kind of got to, everyone's just got to do their best and be checked in. I was doing research for a show that I'm trying to write right now. And I stumbled across this Australian show called Parental Guidance. And I think it's in its first year and it has 10 different parenting types. And it is outrageous. People should look this up or you should post, uh, Katie, if you want to post a link to this somewhere. It is insane. Um, It is uh, these people watching, they do all these different experiments. So they have French parenting. Uh, attachment parenting, they have tiger parents, uh, they have all these different parenting styles watching each other. And they set up an actor um, to approach their children in the park and try to lure them away. Jesus Christ. It was heavy. I I, I teared up um, because I just couldn't imagine my kids in this situation. The actors were really good at it. They're like, hey, my dog, this is Charlie. He just had puppies. Do you want to go see the puppies? And so they're they're trying to see like how the kids respond based on the parenting types. Only kids that went with the guy, the strict parents. Oh, my God. That's really interesting. Because they are taught to respect adult authority no matter what. And, oh my gosh! Yeah, it was insane. It was and is this a whole series? I or? So. Yeah, I was. I, we were just looking up. You know, I was. I was trying to research something else and stumbled across it. And I guess this is a whole show because I can't. Well, you can't watch the full show because we're not in Australia. But they posted right. a bunch of like ten minute clips. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. You can watch it, it, ten minute clips of this geo blocked. <laughs> yeah, totally. I got you. another reason why you got to go to Australia. So you're gonna go watch this whole series, and then you're gonna then your son will understand Arge's local references yeah totally yeah it's brisbane bits <laughs> i i i just sort of branching out parenting for a sec i i don't want to i want to make sure that we cover the fact that you are, are really having quite a successful acting career 
Uh, oh, thanks, man. I, my I, wife I, and I, I loved I, seeing you on um, uh, the physical. Oh yes, thank you. Uh, that was and that was you know Rory Scovel is one of my good buddies. Um, you, you were both terrific. I love that someone. I love it when people discover that comedians can actually make fantastic like dramatic actors and the show obviously has a comedic element but it is a there it is a heavy drama too oh, and you're great you were great on it no i mean the the way back that ben affleck movie was one of the first dramas i got to relieve really an audition for so i don't even i'm not even getting those auditions and then when you do it's really fun to sink your teeth into that stuff uh, yeah and have those emotional moments you know it's 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 pretty cool and then I've got um, Morbius coming out. I'm, uh, that, I, I'm, yeah, that that yeah, that's that's pretty rad. I mean, you know, it's a whatever, just a big tentpole uh, comic book movie, whatever. That was another nuts. Like, uh, you know, cat, getting cast for that um, was just, hey, guys, telling your family uh, they want me to be in London on Saturday because not you, you don't get like too much time to plan. So. This is a Spider-Man spinoff. They're going to try to do Sinister Six at some point. I, I'm going to go to London, guys. <laughs> My wife is such a champ. She's that old, you know, stand-up wife who's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. It's funny if again you're like, hey, what do you guys think about going to London? What do you think about you going go to, to London? London. We'll stay here. You bring uh, home the money. And was uh, that? Did you shoot that during pandemic? No, that was shot pre-pandemic. This thing was supposed to come out a year ago or a year and a half. I mean, oh, they just they kept pushing it because people weren't going to movie theaters. Yeah, so it was supposed to come out in twenty twenty, July thirty first of twenty twenty. Well, I just looked up the trailer that got posted in a few weeks ago, and it's got like twelve million views. It's um, it's pretty cool. This director Daniel Espinosa is amazing. Um, I, I feel like I, you know, I've gotten to see chunks of it. I haven't seen the full movie but it it looks pretty great yeah uh do you have you haven't seen the whole movie you said i've not seen the whole movie no i was the, i was supposed to go to a screening and i think they had to move it but hopefully it's exciting you get to watch it just as a fan you just get to go in and watch it just as as a guy who would go see that movie anyway and the cast out of the bag like they put michael keaton in the trailer but at one point i got to i was in a scene with jared leto and michael keaton and i'm like and i walked up to michael keaton and I'm like, I'm not even going to pretend to be cool around you. I go, <laughs> I go, favorite actor by far. And he really is. Like, he's my favorite actor. I saw, I go, I saw Gung Ho in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that movie. Yeah, That's amazing. He, and I, I, he seems pretty cool. Like, he probably was. Shit. And he goes, I know who you are. He goes, Armenian baby, right? And I go, you're quoting my bit from 2004. I go, oh, this might be the best. It was really the best moment ever. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That was he was in the audience when I had one of the craziest sets ever. I was at the comedy store right when Chappelle got back from Africa, and so he goes to Africa after Chappelle's show, comes back, his first show in L.A. I did a guest set at, and it was. Um, Bruce Willis, Eddie Murphy, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, um, like Leonardo DiCaprio. The you got two Batman there. I know it was nuts. Oh, dude, I I was I couldn't even look at Eddie Murphy, so I just did a seven minute guess set, and that's where he must. That's where he saw it. 
So it was uh, cool shit. But anyway, Morbius and then this comic book, Primo's. Um, have you hung out with Axel Alonso before? Do you know? uh, I may have. Um, I'm not sure. I, I certainly know who he is, but I don't know if we've actually hung out. I'm sorry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're doing this podcast in New York, and I look over. He's got a picture of his son playing basketball. I go, your son plays basketball. My son plays basketball. Um, and then he takes his jacket off. He's got a San Francisco, it says San Francisco t-shirt. And I go, you're from San Francisco. I went to SI, St. Ignatius. And he goes, I went to St. Ignatius. And then we're on the podcast talking about how I go, I always loved side characters because that was where you only, the only place where you got diversity. If I'm watching super friends, I was waiting for Apache chief to come on or cheetah, somebody like, uh, I would love any sort of diverse character. I was, he goes, cause I'm half Mexican. And he goes, Did you say you're half Mexican. I'm half Mexican. So we realized we had uh, both had Korean wives. Both were half Mexicans from San Francisco, went to the same high school had sons the exact same age that loved basketball who met and were the exact same kid. And so at the time I had no idea he was the editor in chief of Marvel comics mm-hmm. and he goes, come to Marvel, hang out. So he gave me a stack of stuff to read. And then we started talking about the lack, complete lack of Latino superheroes. And like, they just don't exist. It's blue beetle. It was like white tiger and Miss America Chavez, and who's not even, she's an alien. And um, there's no Latino superheroes at all. So um, we set out to uh, fix that and created our own superheroes. That's fantastic. And and was the, did you have an idea kind of going into it? Was there something in the back of your head or, or did it just sort of come out in the, in the, was there an ideation process? Well, it's actually, it's really funny. I had an idea that he shot down immediately um, because I go, and this is right at the time I said, all right, Captain America is not the first guy that got injected with that serum. I go, you know, there was a Mexican guy or a black guy that jumped out the window and went running home to Mexico or something like that. And so what if I did Captain Mexico? And I go, he goes, you're going to get sued immediately. Um, and it's a funny idea, but it's something that I've already actually done because he, you know, Axel was a pioneer, um, when it came to like, he's Miles Morales is because Mm -hmm. of Axel. And so he actually, she Hulk, you know, he did all of the diversity that Marvel has. I think a lot of it comes from Axel. Uh, so, and I think he took a tremendous amount of shit for it. But um, he said, you can't do that, but think about something else. And then I just stumbled upon this Kanik Janab Pakal, who is this Mayan emperor who ruled from 603 to 683. And they've been looking for his tomb ever since, but they only found it in 1952 because it was puzzle on the wall. Um, and that's where sort of fiction takes off and they didn't find his body because he had been in space for centuries. So Mayans actually did go to space and then they came back and they see that their, you know, people have disbanded. Um, they sort of are able to look through time with this new technology they acquired in space and see that 
you know, everyone pollution has sort of taken over the area and the kids are locked in cages and conquistadors came towards the end and, you know, pillaged the land. And so one of the brothers gets pissed and says, I'm going to take out Spain um, and uh, they're going to pay for what they've done. And the, you know, one of the other brother, Janab, was like, well, hold on. And um, we came up with an amazing story where Janab really activates the Earth's protectors, these descendants of this uh, Pakal family line that are descended from the first mother, which is another thing that they thought to be true. And so, um, yeah, we, we came up with our Avengers. Uh, I mean, this is a movie I want to see now, too. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it really is cool because I don't think you've seen anything like it before because everything uh, has to do with their family tree. So it's almost like they can access this Mayan Cerebro and they see that, oh, this kid that they find in South LA, that's a skateboarder that just took, you know, drugs at a party is the world's most powerful shaman. And he is a he's in a line of shamans. That's the infinite number of firstborns. So his mother was a firstborn, something that he'd have no idea, but right. he from the first mother was in a first and that's what gives him this power. And so all he needs is an artifact to really, um, and he's been having weird dreams the entire time. So we have him, a Mexico city cop and this El Paso sort of, uh, border freedom fighter that's in a difficult spot when we find her and um they have to stop their evil uncle and that's their origin story so it's really like primos assemble and then we sort of get them set up from there so i'm excited how this like sort of continues and then there's an infinite number of possibilities so we set up our super villain and you know they're oh man this sounds amazing and and also it we're just in the age now where i mean when you and I were growing up, like there was not a lot of superhero stuff. And then the stuff that there was was kind of cheesy. And then obviously, you know, Tim Burton's Batman came along, Michael Keaton, and uh, and then kind of elevated the genre a bit. And it still took another, I don't know, let's say tw- uh, 10 or 11 years before I think special effects and technology got us to a place where we could have X-Men and Sam Raimi Spider-Man and, and whatnot. But... When you're making a comic like this and you're talking to Axel, are you are you guys saying like, do you think of it as a cinematic experience also? Like, are you thinking of it as that kind of like, oh, and if it's a movie, then this kind of opens up this? Or are you strictly thinking about it as just like, let's just focus on making it a comic now and we'll think about all that other stuff later? We, we're doing four issues. So we, we really, we wrap it up. And I think it's just great because I, that's how I got into comics were, was a limited series. Like I mm-hmm. found it with comic stores when I was like 13, 14, were, and they probably still are like, they're so intimidating. Everything's intimidating when you're a 13 year old. But I walked into this comic book store and I remember seeing West Coast Avengers uh, one of four and so we're doing this one of four, I mean, like a four, four part. Um, uh, it's, it's four books that will add up to the graphic novel, but it, you can't help but think in terms of movie. And like, this is the perfect sort of origin story. It just, it does lend itself to a movie pretty darn well, like um, the beginning and the end. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, 
you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMed's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. PetMed's offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. And so how does it work? Like you release the limited series, do they see how it does and then go, okay, let's do, let's do, another, uh, let's do another chapter of this, let's do another series, let's do other characters? Or I, I mean, actually, we've already decided to do more. So that's a great thing about working with a small publisher like this is that it doesn't really, it's not dependent on the success. Um, and we're, we've already sort of talked about what the next installment of this thing looks like. So it's going to be released in English and in Spanish. And um, we're definitely going to keep making more. Uh, it's uh, it's super fun. The, the artist is Carlo Barberi, who did Deadpool. And like, oh, wow. this guy is like the best partner ever um, who, you know, we were talking and he gets occasionally he'll get two guys fight and he'll have to draw that. And then he gets incredible detail on what the people want in the scene. And I tried to split the difference a little bit and really learned how to do this from Elliot Kalin. And then Paul Shear was very nice and sent me um, a script that a long time ago um, and something that, you know, how he outlines. And so I'm really sort of just copying, um, you know, stuff that Axel and Paul Shear sent me a long time ago. Yeah, but, you know, it's... Uh, we set out on our paths again, as I said earlier, we set out on our paths. We, you know, maybe it's stand up and, you know, it's interesting to see where that leads. But then this, this idea that you had, because you connected with someone and you recognize that there is a severe lack of representation in this area. So you go, I want to do something that's meaningful. And it, again, you, you are making this amazing thing because you looked inward to look outward as opposed to just looking outward and going, well, how famous of a comedian can I get? You know, Oh, I real I recognize when I was growing up there was almost zero representation. It you know it's not much better now. I want to do something about that, and then you lay out what just sounds like this fucking amazing. I mean, everything you said just sounds fucking awesome, and it really came from this authentic place to want to make the world better. But that but to, but then on top of that, to make like a cool thing to do that, like what more could. I don't know. When we think about our careers, it's like, what else could you want? Like, that's exactly yeah, doing exactly honestly, what you want to do. Yeah, it is. Like, that's what I mentioned. Like, having being able to be in Morbius, write this comic, be able to, like, you know, 
guest star on physical and hang out with Rory for a bunch of days and like do that. It, it really is incredibly rewarding. And then there is something magical that happens as you know, when you sit down to write that when it just all comes together and you have that big aha moment, we, we started thinking about, cause I'm doing this, you know, I'm working on this with a guy named Felipe Flores, who's a very talented artist but when i came up with the idea for the genetics of it all because we started thinking about the uh seventh son of a seventh son i think there was a bad there was a a movie um called the seventh son yes and the powers that sort of go along with that it really is cool like okay you're in an infinite number of firsts but look at all the different ways that this can um these powers good and bad have been allocated throughout um you know uh, it's it really is like this mayan 23 and me that they have access to <laughs> and like oh well this combination we need to definitely watch out for these guys so i'm thinking in future installments of this they can start to track down their other primos and realize that, you know, there's some bad primos out there as well. And um, everybody has, you know, certainly has different powers. Um, and we know who all these people are because we can track them through this. You know, we're developing that right now is this Mayan calendar that you can sort of uh, turn and locate people. Um, if you're, a, you know, the fourth son of a fourth son, you're going to have, this different uh, you know power and, and ability so i mean is it is it is, is your career kind of like when you look at it you look at all the cool stuff you're doing and have gotten to do does it line up with what you thought you'd be doing or is it just like i, no. I was thought i'd do stand up 100 of the time i didn't even know i was going to act i didn't know that acting was even a possibility not as common when we started out now i know that a lot of comedians you know, the sort of, a lot of comedians used to do stand-up, I mean, used to do sitcoms, like in the 80s and 90s, but this thing of, like, comedians doing dramatic, like, being able to get pulled into dramatic roles and stuff is still in the, in the, in the lifespan of television as a medium is still, or, and film as a medium is still relatively new, like, within, I would say, the last, like, 10 or 12, 15 years, maybe. When I watch what Ray Romano is doing as an actor. Oh, he's fucking amazing. He's incredible. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's what I wanted to be. Like, that is amazing. It's just, it's so cool. And Michael Keaton was a stand-up comic. And like, there's so, comics are really able to do quite a bit, you know, and, and they do, you know, a lot of people drop off and join writer's rooms and a lot of them drop off and become actors. But to remain a pure stand-up, it's just there's a lot of perseverance and sacrifice that I just, you know, again, don't think I have. I do. I do get it now. I always used to think like, God, why did they stop? They were so funny. Why did they stop? Why did they stop doing stand up? And now I'm like, oh, 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 right, 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 right. Because we uh, do we are we are not uh, fucking Wolverine and we uh, you get tired. <laughs> It's not just even me being tired. I think people are tired. Like I was in London while I was doing Morbius. I got to go out. There's a really cool comedy club called Top Secret. There's a Bill Murray theater. There's a comedy store there. uh, That's more of a tourist place. But this Top Secret, I'm on stage. And I'm in their upstairs room doing a bit about succulents. And I looked into the eyes of a 22-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'll wrap this up. 
like, I'm not going to do this succulent bit for a 22-year-old doesn't even know what it is. Like, I'm like, who's buying succulents? You can just take, break one off, put it in the dirt. You see one? Hey, guys, horticulture, am I right? Huh? Anybody? Horticulture? No. Okay. All right. Well, that was the old George Carlin thing. Is like he he got so wealthy and so like that. that he's he's um, and I'm not saying I'm like super wealthy or anything, but I was like he stopped going to the post office. He stopped going to the supermarket and he stopped like doing all this, uh, you know, going all the places that he did not have the everyman's point of view anymore. Not anymore. And so that's when like I'm doing bits about what I know, which are now succulents and you know. But, <laughs> repainting my house with these hardwood floors you do it's just i'm all like <laughs> totally focused on renovating my house and that's it you know and in gardening i'd rather be gardening just never forget though that farts are really funny everyone does it <laughs> no matter what age you are uh uh, and so you could always just fall back on that you could just do a whole you could go back to that theater and then just do all farts all the time, whether you're 22 or 122, it's going to land. And with the session, remember when we were at the improv, when we'd look over at the bar, at the end of the bar, and there'd be old comics hanging out, and it was a little bit sad, and um, it was cool, and then it wasn't so cool anymore, and I was like, oh, that guy's awesome. Oh, that guy's here every night, huh? Yeah, because it, it's... It, it is a lifestyle, like the nonstop, like the road dogs, you know, like it is a lifestyle. And I think it is probably for people who have difficulty sitting still. And so they just constantly need to be in the machine. And that is that is fine for them. But it is. Um, but that's it. But again, it's just a different path. And it just doesn't. And I don't I, I just don't know. I, I like I would I would kind of lament sometimes like, ah, you know, I wish you know, I wish I was more known for my stand-up because I think of myself as a comedian and my wife would go, yeah, but you get to do, you don't just do that. You get to do, like you said, you get to do so many things. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I get, I do, do get to do a lot of fun stuff. What the fuck am I, why would I want to do what I would have to do to get that? I don't think I would it's, want it. Stand-up should be called, or the little byline would be, Al and Chris try to make peace with the fact that they don't do stand-up anymore. <laughs> they're just too exhausted. to. <laughs> they're just too over trying to hustle to get butts in seats, and so they're just like, who needs it? These grapes were sour. I can smell it from here. It just is nobody. Uh, rather than do a 945 spot at the comedy store, I would much rather be on my couch watching Below Deck Mediterranean with my wife and daughter heckling Captain Sandy. <laughs> so much more fun. You know, maybe as you and I are becoming the Statler and Waldorf uh, of this grand performance Muppet show, it makes me wonder if their origin story is that they were young performers, Statler and Waldorf. And at a certain point, they were just fucking over it. And now they're bitter, but also they're not, it's not that they're bitter per se, but then there's also a lot of like, yeah, you fucking idiots. You just dancing your hearts out up there. Fuck you. You know, like that's maybe part of their origin story. There was another thing that I, I actually got to do. And I think this was during the pan. This had to be during the pandemic um, or right before I got to do a, a bit with Beaker. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. And I got to do Muppet, like a Muppet sketch. Um, and again, thanks to stand up. Stand up gets you in. 
and yeah, it's it opens a lot of other weird doors that you, we can go down. So it's a good skill set to have. Like it's because it is not. I think people underestimate what it takes to do it, and it's not just like, oh, this guy, yeah, Jack in my office, he's really funny. He should do stand up. Like, well, Jack's probably gonna have a hard time with it because it's not just cracking jokes for you know your office full of friends. There is a structure to it, and it is grueling, <laughs> and you have to really embrace the process. Now, here's some bad advice: I never want you to ever forget. Mm-hmm. Never host the school auction. <laughs> Oh, Al's a comedian. He should host the auction. No, thank you. It's it really is a bunch of drunk parents who can't stop talking. It's the worst crowd ever. Well, um, I I just I think for a show to work, the audience kind of has to want to be there, and maybe there are some school functions that not all the parents are you know super engaged and want to be a part of the festivities. I got roped into being the announcer for my daughter's volleyball games and I've had nothing but complaints. <laughs> this is by the way, this is the this is the parenting advice that the books won't tell you about. This is just p- good practical don't don't do this. I yeah. I swear on everything that I will never forget that you said that. And if it ever comes up, I'm just going to say, no, I'm not. I just got asked to do the auction and gala for my daughter's high school. And the lady, I said, I'd love to, but I go, I'm an insult comedian. I swear (laughs) a lot. And I go, "It, it won't go well. So maybe we'll just not. It's it's better just to that got and and you know, that's not true. I would be professional with it. That got rid of her immediately. They never called again. That was that. That's great. You 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 essentially blacklisted yourself. I blacklisted. <laughs> you go here. I'm going to hand you the. I'm going to hand you the black pen to write in the book to never I'll call me out. for this. Yeah. I swear a ton and I'm, I tell off colored jokes. I'm just, I'm very rude on stage. I just don't think it's a good fit for everyone. And then guess what? You're going to get blamed because you asked me to do it. So maybe, maybe even fired. It'll go so quick. <laughs> might get terminated making this call. That's where they just somehow managed to digitally tear up your number. Yep. And then just never call you again. Well, I'm excited for the baby. That is is so cool. Do you know? Have you said if is is it a boy or a girl? Do we know? The girl. It's a girl. She'll be here in seven weeks if all goes according to plan. Less by the. Let me tell you the thing that uh, do you remember the old Native American comic that was Charlie Hill, um, who he found out I was having a daughter. Yeah. And he told me that um, he had three daughters and said a daughter is from the age of seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven going to be the best friend that you've ever had in your entire lifetime. Um, it's the best date. You'll love no one more. That relationship will be just unbreakable. And uh, there's a reason why he left out 12. Uh, but uh, he's very right. And everyone I tell that that's had a daughter comes back to me and says, you know, they remember me saying that because it's very true. Like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, dude, it's going to be fantastic. So we, we're just we're, we're we're so excited about it, and it, it's it's something that we wanted to do, and we put it off because of the pandemic, and so we were very fortunate that it's actually happening now, and and so um, I don't know, and I, and I'm I'm also glad that I'm at a point where I don't feel 
so career obsessed anymore where I sort of feel like, oh, this is the this is actually a really good time because I, I this is I don't know it I, I, I we're, we're we're excited and 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 also just like the kind of it's stressful in the sense of like God I want to do a good job I don't want to mess it up but it's also exciting because it just sort of feels like oh just endless possibilities you know so many things and so many you know like oh you, well, I'll show you this movie and this movie and I'll bet you'll love this game and this Lego set and you'll like this you know it's like we probably you know like you can see like we have like Disney shit already in our house so you know like it's we're just we're just both like over the moon about it matching family pajamas you can do that it's gonna happen it's gonna happen my wife will my wife will do it like a, a bunch of matching pajamas will show up like and they'll probably be ones for every day of the week you know and I'll probably grumble about it, but then afterwards, like, all right, that was actually pretty fun. All right, I'm sorry I grumbled I about it. I did it because my son, it was just me and my son when he was little, he got such a kick out of it. He loved it so much. And it was like, oh, just on the you know, off the look on your face alone, I will wear whatever you want. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I am so I'm so happy for your success and all these amazing, fun, cool things you're doing. And and please tell uh, Lorenzo I said hello. I hope you like to hear that. Yeah, I hope yeah, to yeah. see you soon. I'll text Congratulations. you. Congratulations. It's really the best thing that's ever happened to me is the, the kids. So um, you're going to love it. It's been so fun. We are very excited about it. And we'll, we'll have you over soon. And I'll text you in like 30 seconds. All right. Later. Recording stopped. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This mother lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the wayback machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts